The following is a production that is aired as a live stream to multiple locations on Sunday afternoon at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time and re-released as a podcast. You may experience a moment of silence at the beginning of the audio podcast release. Christ, we are a kingdom. In this kingdom are many villages, and each of these villages do things in their own way, but still pay allegiance to the same king. This ministry is all about bringing a stronger connection to this kingdom, Christ's kingdom. One family, one unit, one mighty force of salvation under God's providence. We are the Akinus. We thank you for joining us for our Sunday afternoon message. Just like hearing the reciting of the Lord's Prayer or people singing Amazing Grace, the Lord's Supper, or Communion, as some refer to it as is another one of those iconic Christian rituals that just about everyone knows of. But what is it? And why is it so important to Christian worship? Let's join Pastor Steve as we discuss the significance of this ritual in today's message titled, Supper Time, Understanding the Lord's Supper. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Pastor Steve Huffmeister, and I am the Senior Pastor and President of Diakonos Independent Ministries. And I thank you for joining us on this Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Um, been an interesting week here. Um, we were hoping to be able to broadcast from our new studio space on the other side of the room here, but last night we ran into some technical quirks that we didn't foresee with the software and so forth. So we had to hustle here this morning to get everything re-established here at my desk. Uh, so hopefully we get through today without any hitches or hiccups. But um, anyway, like I said, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. And I know there are several that at least pop in once in a while to see what's going on. Um, so getting right into what we need to do today, try to keep the time down. Um, today we're talking about the Lord's Supper. And I remember... As we enter into this, I want to share this. I remember reading a story many years ago written by a school guidance counselor. And she loved to ask her kindergarten or ask the kindergartners every Monday morning what they did 
over the weekend? Well, some would say, Mommy took me to the park. Some might talk about going to a baseball game or other sporting event or doing stuff, you know, around the house with their parents or playing with their friends and so forth. But little David would tell her something that would disturb her so badly that she would call his parents to the school for a meeting. Little David told her that we went to this weird place far away from home where everyone was wearing robes, there was lots of candles, and loud creepy music. And they were making people drink blood and eat human flesh. When little David's parents sat down for the meeting, the counselor began to explain the horror-filled tale that little David had shared. Little David's father broke out in bolsterous laughter, which startled and shocked the counselor to ask him, What's so funny? We went out of state to we went out of state this weekend to visit my brother and his family. My brother married into a Catholic family. And we went to church with them last Sunday. It was David's first church experience. They were giving communion. The counselor was relieved, but then could understand both David's horror tale and why the father found this was so funny. And nothing against the Catholic rituals or anything like that, but if you put it in a perspective of a kindergartner that's never had any exposure to that, you can kind of paint the picture of how this child would have gotten this distorted sense and um, his perceptions of what was going on. And as I understand it, that was a true story from a a uh, elementary school guidance counselor, if I recall. But the fact is, though, there are many, especially um, non-believers or those who haven't come to know Christ and how things usually go, um, who don't understand the significance of the Lord's Supper or what we call what some call communion. We'll do our best today to try to clarify this and the importance of why it's an important thing to as a Christian. Important. Let me restart that phrase. We'll do our best today to try to clarify the importance of this important Christian ritual. I knew I was going to stumble that. But before we dig deeper, let's open with prayer. Glorious and wonderful Heavenly Father, we thank you first off for all the mothers because mothers are the root of a family in most cases and without mothers it would just just be a unusual world uh, after all without a mother you you would have not come and your your son Jesus would not have come in his earthly form without Mary as his earthly mother. Father, we pray for the mothers, and I pray that you will bless each and every one of them today for the wonderful jobs that they do caring for their children and raising their families, Lord. 
Father, I pray that you will open the hearts and the minds of those who are listening. And I pray that you will empower me to preach this message to those who need to hear it, to where they will understand what they need to hear and to be filled with the wonderful grace that you provide. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, we will not actually be practicing the ritual of the Lord's Supper or Communion today. Today is about learning and understanding what it is and why we do it. And this is part of our ministry's focus on teaching the basics in these messages because many times new believers are not getting a clear instruction on these basic principles of Christianity. If we look back in the scripture to the events leading up to Jesus' crucifixion, we will recall that Jesus and his disciples traveled to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover celebration, which was also known as the Festival of Unleavened Bread. Let's start our exploration today in, into the significance of the Lord's Supper in Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 13. 7 through 13 reads, Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat, to eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, as soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him at, at the house he enters. Say to the owner, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. Now, for us to understand the significance here, for starters, we need to understand the Passover, the Festival of Unleavened Bread, which is a seven-day celebration commemorating the Jewish exodus from Egypt. But where does this Passover word come from? Well, we find that explained in Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 through 15. Which reads, I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. Yeah, okay. I will ex starting over. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorposts 
will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. This is a day to remember. Each year, from generation to generation, you must celebrate it as a special festival to the Lord. This is a law for all time. For seven days, the bread you eat must be made without yeast. So, before we get into this question, the Passover, things changed a bit when Jesus died. We no longer, as Christians, don't particularly stick to the the seven-day rule of unleavened bread. But this is where the custom of using an unleavened bread, unleavened bread, wow, unleavened bread, excuse me, uh, became the custom when it comes to the Lord's Supper. But let's explore the question, what blood? What blood is God talking about? Well, in the interest of time, I'm going to give a short summary Part of God's instructions for the Passover was to sacrifice a young, one-year-old, blemish-free lamb or goat, more commonly a lamb, and use its blood as we see instructed in the scripture, which was to take the blood and mix it with uh, hyssop, I believe it was. Yeah, I believe it was hyssop. And to spread it on the around the door, on the door jams, above the door, on the threshold, as a marking, as the Lord mentioned in Exodus chapter 12. Then they would take the lamb and it would be roasted and eaten to symbolize the sacrifice of the peace offering. And it had to be eaten in its entirety that night, else the, whatever was left had to be burned. So, now that we have an understanding of the Passover and the significance of the meal and where the blood comes from, we can move forward. So, how did Jesus know about this large guest room? Well, I know some will ask this question. And the simple answer is this. He raised Lazarus from death. He healed the blind. He even walked on water. Something should tell us he, Jesus that is, has an advantage we don't. Who knows? Who knows? I've searched the scripture looking for a time prophecy for this. And if someone knows of one that I've been missing... Please share it because I'd love to um, know it for my personal knowledge and to be able to share it. But I have yet to be able to find it um, if one does exist. You know, he also could have prearranged this at one of his other times while he was in Jerusalem. Um, and another point that's not recorded in the Bible. Or simply this. He's Jesus. 
Enough said. So, now we come to the supper itself. Some will say this meal took place the night before Jesus would be arrested. And others will say that it all happened the same day. But let's not lose focus on the importance of the supper by worrying about when exactly it was. Let's read in Luke chapter 22 verses 14 through 16. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. This is one of the many times leading up to Jesus' crucifixion that he alludes to his suffering or death. He knows what is to come. None of this is a surprise for Jesus. But let's jump over now to Matthew chapter 26, verse 27. We're going to do this because Matthew's account of this portion provides a bit more detail than the respective verses in Luke. And Matthew 26, verse 27, it's actually verse 27 through 29, excuse me, um, reads, And he took the cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So, continuing here. Blood! They're drinking blood? Wait a minute. No, 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 no. They were drinking wine. But Jesus is using the symbolization of blood as a connection to the bloodshed by the Passover lamb. Jesus was saying that this blood, his blood, will be shed as a sign just as the lamb's blood on the doorposts was a sign. The blood on the doorpost protected them from the plagues. Jesus' blood will protect them under the new covenant of forgiveness. So, let's explain, or to explain this new covenant that Jesus will establish when his death with his death on the cross, we need to look back at the Old Testament again in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. 
And that reads, The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. That covenant would have been the covenant he made with the Ten Commandments and so forth. To clarify that to our new believers. Okay, but let me reread that verse again. But this is the new this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, we're back up in 31. I lost my place. I apologize. We'll start over in 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. Though I loved them as a husband loves his wife, says, or, though I loved him, loved, wow, apologize, I'm just really tripping all over this. Verse 32, the covenant I will, the covenant, this is the downside of live, guys. This is the downside of lives. <laughs> Verse 32, this covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. Though I love them as a husband loves a wife, says the Lord. Verse 33. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord. But everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Now, it should be said that verse 34 trips up a lot of people when he when the Lord says we will not need to teach this verse is not saying we are not to share our God in Jesus Christ what it is saying is that even those who deny God and Jesus Christ still know of him they might not accept him but they do come around to acceptance. If they do come around to acceptance, pardon me, they will be forgiven. This is the new covenant that could only be established by Jesus Christ defeating death on the cross. By drinking the wine, or in many churches, grape juice, 
which rudimentally is the same thing, um, just no alcohol, we are reminded of this covenant paid for by Jesus' blood. Now, let's go back and look at Luke chapter 22, verse 19. Luke 22, verse 19. He took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces, and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Or do this to remember me, as the NLT reads. The symbolization of referring to the bread as his body and breaking it into pieces symbolizes the sacrifice that Jesus would make. He was beaten, whipped, gouged, and hung on the cross with nails through his flesh. Just like the bread, his body was broken. We eat the bread which has been broken in remembrance of Jesus' body being broken to free us from our sin and pay with his earthly life for our chance for forgiveness. As Christians, we should take the ritual of the Lord's Supper very serious. And the Apostle Paul addresses this directly in his in the letter to directly in the letter to the Corinthian church in his in his letter um, or epistle which we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 through my notes say 23 through 30 but this is this is looking like 23 through 29 Okay, so we start in verse 23. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Changing slides. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So, my dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other. 
if you are really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. All right, I'm sorry, we skipped it. it ended, we ended at 29, and then we began again in verse 33 and 34. If you uh, noticed that there on the screen. We had skipped a, we had skipped a few. Um, but yeah, we picked back up in 33 and 34. So, the reason that Paul wrote this so directly about making sure to respect the Lord's Supper and to eat at home if you're hungry is the Corinthian believers basically were turning the ritual of the Lord's Supper into a feast, into uh, let's stuff as much bread and wine into ourselves to the point that we got drunk off of it kind of event. And that is not how it was meant to be, in, meant to be interpreted. So he was essentially scolding the Corinthian church to restore the reverence in this ritual, if you will. And the part about it, um, those about examining un the unworthy and needing to examine yourself is non-believers should not be partaking of the Lord's Supper. It is a tribute to the covenant of forgiveness. And if you're not willing to accept God, you're not willing to accept Jesus Christ, then you're not earning that forgiveness. Therefore, why are you paying tribute to a forgiveness you're not willing to accept? And it is a testament to accepting that forgiveness. So that's where Paul was headed with um, that, and I know there's a lot of a lot of people out there, a lot of churches out there that'll disagree with me on that, and that's okay. I don't judge you for that. I'm gonna make that very clear. But that is our interpretation, or my interpretation, and our interpretation as a ministry of what these scriptures say. And you know, if you disagree with that, then you know. To let the, the Lord, you know, weigh on that with you however it needs to be. You know, only he, know, only he knows. So we leave that at that. But in the last two verses that I shared in verse 33 and 34 is where we source the word communion. Paraphrased, because Paul says that we should do it together you know it together that kind of means you know in community or you know by waiting on each other to do it together in community or where you get communion it is our hope today that you have learned to understand the significance of what the lord's supper was about and why we practice it as a ritual of communion today within the Christian churches. It is an important ceremony to Christian life and serves as a regular renewal of our hearts and minds to our God and remembrance of Jesus' sacrifice. And I encourage you to share with us your questions if 
there's something that you don't understand in your Christian and your journey with Christ, or even if there is something you need to understand before you commit yourself to Christ, we're here as a ministry and this production in general to answer these very questions for you. So don't be afraid to reach out to us um, and share these questions because we've all had them. You know, we've all had our questions of why, why is this, why is that, why do you believe this? And that's what we're here for. So please reach out to us if you need some help understanding and we'll gladly help guide you to the answer. But let's go ahead and we'll close today with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift and the sacrifices of your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that you have reached the hearts of those who needed to know what the ceremony of the Lord's Supper is all about and the intensity of the meanings behind it. Father, we pray that this message reaches into the hearts and reaches those who need you in their life and opens their heart and welcome to open their hearts and welcome you in, Lord. Father, we thank you once again for the mothers and the families, Lord. And we pray that you will bless us with a wonderful week. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. So, have you realized a need for Jesus Christ today? And if you feel the call to ask Jesus into your life, then I encourage you to pray with me the invitation prayer that I'm about to share with you. And we'll put the words on the screen here in just a moment. But you're asking Jesus Christ into your life. And we welcome you to say this prayer along with us. But I strongly encourage that you take some time, find a quiet place. You know, meditate on it and ask Jesus into your life. Ask him to open your heart and walk right in. Share your struggles with him. Share your pains, your worries, your fears. And lay them at his feet in your prayer. If you need help or just need someone to pray with you, then by all means reach out to us uh, through the information that we'll share at the end of this presentation. And we'll be glad to pray with you. For those who want to follow along, say this prayer with me. Glorious Heavenly Father, thank you for opening my heart. I pray you will come into my life and be the guiding light I need to walk my journeys according to your will and the guidance of your word. Father, I ask that you forgive me of my sins 
that I may forgive me, pardon me. Father, I ask that you forgive me of my sins, that I may start new with your grace. Amen. My apologies for stumbling on that prayer. My golly. I would like to invite you to make a relationship with a local Christian church in your community. They should be all about Jesus Christ dying on the cross to save us from our sins and rising again to the glory of heaven to sit by the right hand of God. They should teach God's word according to the Bible. And there's many different Christian churches and styles of worship out there in the world. And we encourage you to pray for guidance as you search for one that makes you feel accepted and supported. So that wraps up today's message on the Lord's Supper. And I hope it's cleared things up for those of you who haven't really understood what it's actually all about. There's a really deep meaning to it, and I think that that meaning has gotten lost in a lot of circles and needs to be um, renewed and refelt again. So, I hope you all have an excellent week. I hope the weather stays good for you. We've been being deluged with rain here in Maryland, in the United States, where we're at uh, the last several days, and we're looking forward to uh, things drying out. Next week, I'm hoping that we'll be able to broadcast from the new space. I'm really eager to uh, use that because I'll no longer be stuck sitting behind a desk. I'll be able to move a little bit, and you'll actually be able to see that there is more of me that exists than the chest top. <laughs> but anyway, until next week, may God bless you. May God bless those that are special to you. I am Pastor Steve Huffmeister. Have a great day. We hope you have been blessed and enjoyed today's message. We enjoy hearing from our viewers and welcome your feedback and questions. Please reach out to us by postal mail, email, online, or by phone. Help us spread God's word by subscribing to our YouTube channel. We are also available on Facebook and Twitch. Your subscription and support increase our viewership on these social media platforms. You can now find our Sunday afternoon message videos on Anchor FM and Spotify and an audio version on many other podcast providers. Visit anchor.fm forward slash diakonosmd to visit our Anchor FM page. Don't forget to check out Pastor Steve's podcast available through Spotify and other podcast platforms. Spotify subscribers will be able to listen to full songs that Pastor Steve incorporates into his episodes, so please consider subscribing. Your continued support and donations are what give us the ability to bring you productions, such as the one you have been viewing today. Please consider donating to our ministry, so that we may continue to expand and spread God's Word and the glory of Jesus Christ in the areas we serve. We look forward to you joining us again next week for our Sunday afternoon message. 
on behalf of Pastor Steve, and the entire Diaconos Independent Ministries of Maryland family, we thank you again for watching, and may God bring you blessings. Thank you.